Let's continue with our lessons. The lessons of what it is, is to really meet with the King of Kings. And so let's move forward. And let's talk about now, let's talk about now the, what it is to have closeness, closeness to Hashem. So after a person has merited that his soul clearly feels the mutual love both conditional and unconditional, which we mentioned in yesterday's shiur, between him and Hashem, then your avodah is to reach the inner essence and purpose of avodah Hashem, which is closeness and the vacas to Hashem. And it's something that we've been saying since the beginning of the shiur, we know we know and you should know already if you're listening and you've gone this far in the shiurim and the lessons because we're not supposed to go forward until we actually get what we're trying to learn during the lesson itself and that's shiur that you have to know in your heart that our purpose in this world is only only to be close to Hashem and to be in the Vegas with Hashem because that's our avodas that is our avoda in this world so first of all you have to deeply fix into your mind a very powerful belief that hashem is really present in every place everywhere and this can come about in either through simple contemplation based on an unquestioning faith in the words of hazal which is emuna or if your soul needs it through studying the inner wisdom of the Torah, which deals with this matter in detail. So in any case, your avodah is to fix in your mind with total faith and emuna that the absolute truth is that Hashem is present right near you at all times, always. You have to repeat a great many times the words of the Ramah and the beginning of Orach Haim, which are taken from the Ramban in the Morei Nebuchim, you, sh- you have to read, read the words of mes- the Mesilas uh, Yesharim and the section about Yidat's hate and review them literally thousands and ten thousands and thousands of ten thousands of times, even more until the concept is firmly fixed in your mind. You should accustom yourself during any free time that you have, such as when you're walking in the street or you're waiting for something or someone to review this concept that Hashem is present right there, right there, right there where you are. And so while you're working on this matter, you should not work on anything else. You should accustom yourself to remind yourself of this upon awakening when you're walking and at every and all times until it's fixed in your mind and you're going to naturally recall it at every brief interval and this avoda has to be definitely accomplished in both thought and through speech saying you have to say hashem is present right next to me hashem is present right next to me hashem is right next to me hashem is right here with me and so on and and, and you have to do this according to the mode of expression. And so the main thing is to remember at all times, both through words and thoughts, 
Because remember, you have to, the power of speech is very important because it's through the speech that it's going to get to penetrate through your heart. So through words and thoughts that Hashem is right nearby, He's right there, He's right here. Hashem is right here right now. I'm giving this shiur, I'm only a tool, an evid of Hashem, an evid of Klad Israel, and Hashem is right here with me right now as I am speaking to you. Okay, and so without this avodah, you're going to feel that Hashem is only in the high heavens. He's, gonna, he's only in Shemayim, and I'm here on earth. But that's not true. Hashem is everywhere, including next to every single person at every single minute of every single day at all times. You, the avodah is to help you remove the erroneous thought that Hashem is only in Shemaim. We have to get that thought out of our head. And it's something that we were conditioned, maybe when we were younger, we grew up knowing or thinking these things because most of the world believes this. That this is, we're here and Hashem is over there. You know, we're here or there's a God over there. You know, no, it's right here, right now, right next to you at all times. And so after you merited having your mind fixed on the thought that Hashem is present and close to you at all times, then you're ready. Now you're ready for an extremely lofty kind of avoda. And this entails not living with Hashem as He. Not, not living with Him as, or referring to Him as He, which is something hidden, but as you. As you. You're going to use the word you. In other words, although you, can, you may believe that Hashem is right nearby and right there, right next to you, you nevertheless can relate to Him. Let's say you'll still relate to Him as He, as if He's hidden. You know, and certainly, this is true in one sense. Hashem said, no man can see me and live. And no being has a perception of Hashem. And so he is perceived as being hidden. But our teachers have said, he is hidden from their intellects. Yet revealed in their hearts. So in other words, although he, using the word he, is hidden from the intellect of all beings, and he cannot be grasped mentally in any way, he is revealed in the hearts of the Jewish people. As it says, Hashem is a rock of my heart and my portion in the heart. You can feel that he's relating directly to, 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 to Hashem. You can feel that, okay? It's that in the death of the inner essence of your avoda here in this world is to live with Hashem and relating directly to him at all times. At all times. You wouldn't say to your husband, you know, and, and, and whatever, oh, he, you know, you're, you're talking to your husband, he's right in front of you, or you're talking to your wife, she's right in front of you. You're not going to say, oh, he, she. No, you're going to say you. You, because he's right there and she's right there. And that's exactly where we're, we need to understand and condition ourselves so that this can be a normal part of our, our, of our going through this world in our life. Okay, so you have to first internalize in your heart and your mind that there's a true inner life. And the Vilna Gaon, the Vilna Gaon writes in the beginning of Orachayim, this awareness is the entire greatness of the Sadiqim. And you have to fix in your mind and heart the basic concept that the whole purpose of our involvement in Torah study and fulfilling mitzvot with all their details and miniature and, and the purpose of every spiritual material endeavor is only for this end. And the goal here is to bring you to a way of life in which you live with the Shem. You relate to Him directly, literally every and every, every each and every second of every moment. And once it's clear to you once it's clear to you that this is a true inner life, then you have to train your thoughts and language to speak to Hashem in the second person. You have to say you 
at every opportunity on awakening, when you're walking, and so on. So during anything that you do, you should communicate with Hashem saying you. And ask for His help. It's not primarily for the sake of fulfilling the mitzvah of prayer, but mainly in order to get used to, to saying you to Hashem at all times. And prayer is a mean of achieving a direct connection with Hashem in the second person. Okay, so besides praying, you have to accustom yourself to say things like, You, Hashem, are with me. You are near me. I am not alone here because you are with me. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I feel no evil for you are with me. David Amalek says this. This is how David Amalek even lived his life. You, you, you. Hashem was right there with him at all times because he's with us at all times now. And you have to employ various phrases appropriate for the occasion. And what the statements will have in common is what that they will be enable you to focus on the fact that Hashem is present. And you have to do this many times, both during brief free moments and during designated, designated times. And this has to continue for a very long period, guys, for months and for years. And this way you're going to break through the barrier that blocks, that blocks the Creator from you. And you're going to feel at all times that Hashem is with you. Your life will be focused on this idea and every action will be directed towards this reality because it's a reality. And this Aboda should not separate you from other acts of Abodas of Hashem. Rather, they are, whether they're Torah, prayer, or acts of kindness, chesed, anything. You have to understand that the purpose of everything, the purpose of everything is the awareness of Hashem's presence nearby. And you're always going to cleave to this direct relationship, never ignoring it for one second, for one moment. You're going to continue in this manner throughout your entire life until the day of death at 120. And merit being attached and bound in the bond of life, in other words, with Hashem, both in this world and in the next. And you'll be able to testify about yourself. All my days, I was tied with a single bond to Hashem. And you'll be the person totally attached to the living God, which is the life source of all worlds. So beyond all this is the higher aspect of integration in the infinite. In the infinite, of which it says, I speak to him mouth to mouth. But the meaning of this pasuk cannot be written. Cannot. And so you have to know that this avoda is not as difficult as it seems at first. It's a matter of habit. If you will just accustom yourself to follow the instructions that have been laid out throughout all these lessons in Shiorim, a meeting with the king of kings, if you would just accustom yourself to follow the instructions with simplicity and consistency, you will definitely, definitely earn the privilege to live this way without a reasonable doubt. Okay, so if you want to jump ahead and you want to go to next and go to the next and without understanding fully the previous lesson and you still don't get that the purpose of your your purpose of existence in this world, it's only, only, listen to me carefully, you only are here to be close to your creator and to be in Debekas to him. And we did that at the beginning, at the Shiorim. It was one of the exercises that you had to do over and over and over again. Write it everywhere, put it everywhere, put it all over the place until you get it. 
right? And there's an exercise in saying things. And we also gave you an exercise to verbalize things, right? And you had to do that also throughout the day and talk to Hashem throughout the day, even if it's a third person. Through the third person, that was fine. Was that accomplished? Did you get to do that? Did you master that? Baruch Hashem. So now you're ready to start to know that Hashem is right next to you and right here, right now. And so now you're ready to start to talk to Hashem as a you. You're here with me right now, Hashem. I know you're here. Hashem, help me with this. Hashem, I, you know, I see this and I'm, I, I don't understand. Can you, can you guide me through this? You're going to start throughout the day not to just think about it because there's power in words. <laughs> there's power in words. We have to be so careful for what words come out of our mouth, how powerful our words are. So go out throughout the day and do what we just we just spoke about right now and you need to do that forever forever your whole life you will be now spent referring to Hashem in your waking life from the time that you wake up as, as you and you're going to know he's right next to you and you're going to know he's right there and you're going to say it and even if you don't know it you're going to keep saying it because through saying it you're going to get to know it because the purpose here is to remove the rock that is in our hearts Remove the heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. And there's a whole book of prophets that talk about the end of days, which is where we are right now. Guys, look out your window. And our only only thing that's going to happen here is, is the whole world. The whole world's going to come to a point of knowing, not believing, knowing Hashem. You understand? And so as a Jew... It behooves you. It's your only role. You're not here in this world to make Parnassah. <laughs> Hashem doesn't need you for that. You're not in this world to do anything else. Your first priority and your, 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 your purpose of being alive in this world as a Jew, as part of Klad Israel, is to be close to Hashem and to be in the vacas to Him. And there's nothing else that you're 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 not here for anything else and yes there's some tikkunim that got to be done but that's that's like a technical part right but your purpose here uh, to have always have been here the reason why you were created in the first place is only to be close to hashem and be in the vegas to him so anything else that's in our minds is all stuyot it's all stuyot yes you have to do ishtalut to get things done because we're in this world and it's a world of cause and effect and you also have to live because there's a there's a lifestyle and there's things that have to be done and you do your ishtalut the results are all hashem of course but even in this process it's all about being close to hashem in anything you do being close to hashem and being in the vacas to him with everything you do throughout the day no matter what it is whether you're working whether you're cooking whether you're walking whether you're driving whether whatever it is you're always close to your god and you're always in the vacas to him and that's what it means that heaven meets earth heaven means earth what does that mean the concept of heaven meets earth it's a poem no it means that heaven is right here right next to you you are in heaven because you're with Hashem you're with Hashem and all these matters all these physical this physicalities and these isms and material isms are only a means to elevate them to elevate them and to make them into a service of Kadosh Baruch Hu. It's a, a, a way to take them and elevate them from the what appears to be physical into the spiritual which means that 
you and Hashem, you, 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 Hashem, you're helping me do this. Hashem, I see this. I see this. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to buy this because please help me choose the right table so that I can serve you best, so that I can serve guests and I can be an evidence of the cloud Israel because I know it's going to be an evidence of you. Hashem, help me. Which one do you think I should pick? You should be talking to Hashem like that throughout the entire day. And now I want to open up something and I want to talk about, and by the way, it's a lifelong, it never stops. It never stops. You have to do this every single day until we're no longer in this world because when we leave this world at 120, then we're going to leave this world already attached to our God. And that's going to, because this is the world, this is the time that you can do it. And once we're in Olam Abba, there is no, there's nothing to do there. Whatever you could have done was here. There, there's nothing else to do there. It's whatever you've done, that's the rewards that you're going to reap. Do you get that? That who, who says that we have tomorrow? Nobody. You only have right now. So you should start right now understanding this concept well and walking and talking and living and breathing and knowing and knowing that Hashem is right there, right next to you and start to talk to Him like we just said in the second person. You, you Hashem, you put me here. You Hashem gave me this amazing shore so I can learn how to get close to you. Thank you, you know, thank you Hashem. Gratitude. All these things, this is something you have to start to do from now on. Every second of your day should be breathing and remembering and living Hashem. Hashem. So I want to talk about what does emunah, what does emunah really mean? I want to throw this in here because we have to understand, right? So it's it's the broadest sense emunah is total belief and trust in God. And if you pray, when you pray, you stand before God and, and you're hoping that you're worthy of a God's attention. So why, after all, should God give you any special consideration? Will God listen to your prayers? And even if he does, will he accept them? So as it relates to prayer, emunah means because I love and trust God. I am prepared to accept whatever plan he decides is in my best interest. My life has always been in God's hands and always will be. I pray, realizing that though there are many plans in man's heart, only God's purpose will prevail. And I believe that whatever God does ultimately will be for the best. And this level of emunan, this level of bitahon, is very difficult. It's very hard to achieve because it comes with candid, personal introspection and spiritual growth. And the story is told about a mountain climber, right, who finally reached his long life dream. He'd reached the peak of a high mountain in the Himalayas. And when he reached the top, he wanted to survey the magnificent view all around him. He wanted to just take it in. So suddenly, without any notice, the earth beneath his feet gave way. And he started to slide down the side of the mountain. And though he was in total state of shock, he grabbed onto some branches which, which were just jutting out of the mountainside and he held on for dear life. He was so grateful. He shouted, thank you, God. Please, please help me. No answer. And once again, he cried out, God, please help me. Still no answer. He tried yet again, but this time he heard a booming voice from heaven saying, yes, my son, I'm here. Oh, thank you, God. Please help me. Please save me. I've been a good person all my life. Please, please save me. I'll do anything. You'll do anything? Yes, anything, anything. Let, let go of the branch. Let go? The clamor responded and told his belief. Yes, said God. Let go. A few tense moments of total sinus passed until the mountain climber uttered his last plea. Is there anybody else up there? The moral of this story is trusting in God means that whatever God decides to do 
may very well be beyond our understanding and instincts. And a man cannot control events and determine the future, no matter how much he believes that he is, he's in control. How God operates is truly above and beyond us. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares God. The heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And so we can't fully understand the present or even attempt to predict the future. Only God can. So to put it another way, Emunah is not knowing what the future holds, but knowing who holds the future. So the meaning of Emunah, Emunah is, is reflected in the core of the Hebrew word itself. There are two suggested origins. The first source for Emunah is the Hebrew word Amen, taken from its root letters, uh, amen, the Aleph and the Mem and the Nun. When we hear the blessing recited by another, we respond by saying Amen, which is equivalent to declaring, so may it be God's will. And the second source is Emet, truth, which is based on Emunah's first letter, the Aleph and the Mem. And we believe that God is the quintessence of truth. The prophet Yemiahu declared, my master, God is true. Who echoed? Yemiahu's words at the end of Shema prayer when we conclude, your master, God is true. And truth has to be an all-encompassing part of our lives. And this is revealed in the letters of this word. The first two letters, Aleph and Mem, spell mother, right, in, in Hebrew. And, and, and the last two letters, the Mem and, and, and the Tet, spell death in Hebrew. And so the message from birth to death, truth is indispensable. And also note that the letters of, of Emet, are the first, middle, and the last letters of the Aleph base. And once again, demonstrating that truth, MS, should be pervasive in anything that we speak or write. So what then is the significance of our, our responding amen? It's a confirmation of the essence and truth of the blessing. It can be translated as so to be, or so may it be his will. In effect, every amen is both a confirmation of the particular blessing or prayer that it's amet. It's true and also an affirmation that God's will will prevail in every aspect of our lives. So this might explain why the rabbis consider one who responds amen to a blessing to be greater than one who recites the actual blessing. Because there's many blessings that one can recite throughout the day and in fact we're encouraged to express as many as a hundred of uh, uh, blessings every day so when you respond with a man to a, a particular mitzvah or blessing you are proclaiming the supreme expression of faith emunah this is god's world he is the master of the universe and we are all his loyal subjects his will is done amen is generally pronounced out loud and it's a fervent response to the blessings and prayers of those around us so now rabbi moshe wernick a holocaust survivor used to share this story with his yeshiva students when he first came to america after the war he was staying in the bronx not far from yankee yankee stadium and suddenly one afternoon he heard a series of tremendous roars coming from the stadium so he turned to his host and he inquired what is this noise all about and the host patiently explained that one of the Yankee players must have hit a powerful home run or made an outstanding play in the field. And the fans were like cheering wildly, voicing their joy and admiration for their hometown heroes. And the fans' cheers were their way of connecting with their team. And so Rabbi Wernick remarked, 
that he now understood why the one who answers a man is greater than the one who recites the blessing. The Talmud tells us that when one answers a man with all his strength, Kavana, the gates of the Garden of Eden are open for him. And this means that when we closely relate to another's actions, become one with that person on a spiritual level, vicariously experiencing the other's joy and pain. And by declaring amen to the blessing, we're offering our wholehearted, enthusiastic support and validation to the blessing. It's true, so be it. And we have taken the other's act and elevated it to a spiritual experience for ourselves. So now, Rabbi Mendel of Kosk said, for those who believe, there are no questions, but for those who do not, there are no answers. Those who believe have no questions, and of course they have questions. So even our greatest leaders maintain their emuna despite their questions about God's ways. And the questions they raised were not her heretical because they saw God's presence in everything they experienced. They explored the challenges of Abraham and Moshe. So let's explore, let's explore their challenges. Before Hashem destroyed Sodom, Hashem revealed, shall I conceal from Abraham what I'm doing? So what compelled God to disclose his plan to, to, his plan to destroy Sodom? Was it because Abraham had a close loving relationship with God? In the book of Isaiah, God himself describes Abraham as the one who loves me. And so he revealed his attentions to Abraham who pleaded to save the city and the merit of the righteous. And Abraham approached and said, will you even destroy the righteous with the wicked? Far be it from you. Will the judge of the entire earth not perform justice? And so despite Abraham's plea for justice, God destroyed Sodom. And Abraham accepted God's verdict despite his qualms. And God departed when he finished speaking to Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. And Rashi describes in his commentary on the passage, when the defense attorney Abraham departed, the judge closed the case. No, now let's turn to Moshe and his experience with the plight of the children of Israel in, in, in Egypt. So as part of their daily routine, the Hebrew slaves were required to produce a quota of store bricks for their building responsibilities. And Paro left that these slaves were lax, lax in their efforts and imposed a harsh law that they had to produce the same quota of bricks without the, necessi the, the necessary straw provided as has been done previously. And afterwards, the officers of the Hebrew slaves approached Moshe and Aaron and bitterly complained. May God look upon you and judge, for you made us repulsive in the eyes of Paro and in the eyes of his servants to place a sword in their hands to kill us. Moshe did not answer them directly, but rather he turned to God with his complaints. God, why have you harmed this people? Why have you sent me? Since I have come to Paro to speak in your name, he has harmed this people and you have not saved your people. And so God gives no explanations to Abraham or Moshe. They ask legitimate questions but receive no answers, yet they remained strong in their emuna. They were able to live with their questions because of their deep personal relationship with God. It's one thing to say, I don't understand God's ways, but how can a merciful and kind God allow tragedy to happen? It is still another way to, to say to oneself that because I cannot reconcile God's actions with my realities, I don't believe he's merciful. And this last instance is one of it's, it's one surface understanding that leads one to conclude that God is cruel and uncaring. So in the process, you, one is subconsciously judging God. By contrast, Abraham and Moshe questioned God, but they knew by virtue of the relationship, that a relationship with God, that they could not judge him. They knew that their mortal intelligence was limited. And sadly, but understandably, many lose faith 
during a major personal crisis, when people lose their home in a raging forest fire or a hurricane and they lost the safety and security of the present, as many of the well uh, memories of the past, for example, in what's happened with COVID and, 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 and even today in this war, not only many lost their dear relatives and friends, but also some of the greatest rabbis of, of our generations back in those days and so many things that have happened to us were lost. And too many of us, such losses may cause serious emotional trauma. And the big question is not about those who lose their faith. It's about those who persevere, who persevere and keep their emunah even more than ever before. So what spiritual resources do they access to help them move on in their lives? And how can we garner our own strength to pray while bearing such heavy emotional burdens? And we, we may acquire spiritual strength, acquire it through teachings of our Torah, but we're a nation. We're a nation with an et, et, eternal mission. If history had taken its natural course, we would have been long gone as a people, murdered and maimed in pogroms, totally disseminated in religious wars, burned during the Inquisition, and annihilated in concentration camps. Yet survivors of these and other mass tragedies picked up the pieces and started life all over again. The strength to carry on comes from our special relationship to God as both our king and father in heaven. When we relate to God, our king, we understand this as a benefit, uh, beneficent monarch. He may issue decrees that we don't understand and appreciate, but at the very same time he has issued those decrees, we remind ourselves that he is also our father. He's our father in heaven who loves us always. And above all, God loves us with the greatest possible love. With everlasting love, you have loved us, my master, our God. And God who loves us will be there to pick us up. And he never, ever, ever will let us down. If we want to appreciate God during the challenging times of our lives, we might recall those times when we felt his presence. And so I'm, I'm reminded of a dialogue that, that, that um, someone had as a chaplain uh, with the husband of a woman who was dying. He was bemoaning the fact that their beautiful marriage was coming to an end. He told he told them about all the exotic places in the world that they visited and the joys of their wonderful family. Then he blurted out, he blurted out, Rabbi, what did I do to deserve this? I was always a good Jew, always attending synagogue on the high holidays and giving generously to the Jewish causes. So the rabbi turned to him and asked him more details of his early years of happiness and success with his beloved wife. And then, and then he asked them, when you were sitting on top of the world, did you ever look up to Shemaim and ask the Almighty, what did I do, God, to deserve this? So when good comes our way, we take it as an entitlement. We really believe that we deserve it without asking for it. When bad things happen to us, we look up to Shemaim and we cry. We cry, why did I deserve this? If we were to ask ourselves, what do I deserve in life? We probably would not have a clear answer. We simply do not know what life will bring us. Intuitively, we feel we deserve good, unlike that no good person that we know who deserves God's wrath, right? So we certainly don't deserve punishment. So what do we deserve? We feel that we deserve so much because we have high expectations. But since God is running the show, he wants us, he wants us to prove that we're worthy of his gifts. And in the process, demonstrate that we can rise to higher spiritual levels. And as mortals, we have to admit that we don't know how God runs the world. We don't understand God's plan for why some suffer in this world and others do not. We do not know that there, that there, there are no entitlements. From God's standpoint, there is rhyme and reason to everything he does. Our lives are comparable to the following parable. 
A young boy is putting together a, a picture puzzle of a thousand pieces during a long summer day. So he enjoys putting all the pieces together and forming a beautiful picture. And suddenly, suddenly, in the middle of this project, a stranger entered the room and he takes away the cover of the box, so which is dismayed. How can he possibly put together the rest of the puzzle without seeing the picture on the box? So for hours, he does his best trying to piece the puzzle together. And by matching the shapes and colors of the pieces, but he's struggling, struggling. And finally, the stranger returns to the room and places the cover on top of the box. And the boy is so excited that he can now finish his project. And this young boy could be you or me going through life. So much in life makes no sense. Makes no sense to us. The, 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 the COVID pandemic in, 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 in 2020 brought so much fear and uncertainty. It was a loss of livelihood, poverty, and the loss of life. The resulting political turmoil in the world shook the foundations of democracy. And we're attempting to pick up the pieces of the puzzle of life. So we try to fit the pieces into a larger picture. But we struggle to complete the puzzle because we don't know where all the pieces fit in. And there are so many shapes, colors, and designs that don't seem to come together. Nothing made sense. But then after 120 years, when we arrive in Shemayim, God may show us the big picture. And which will be perfect and will make perfect sense to us. So with all the terrible personal suffering, as well as the tribulations that the Jewish people have been faced throughout the ages, and the ones that we're facing even now, we have to ask once again, what gives us the strength to carry on? And so in our tefillah, in our prayers, we turn towards heaven and we ask, we ask Hashem for so much, our personal health, livelihood, parnasa, success, atzlacha, and all our endeavors. We have appealed to Him to bring us back to our home and the Holy Land to restore the Holy Temple so that we may once again serve Him as in the days of yore. And we said these prayers for centuries, but the final redemption is, has not yet been granted to us. And some of us may have lost hope and others are holding on for a new day to arrive. And as we know, God has many names and none of which can portray his essence. We only know God by what he says and does. And the names we use for him reflect his deeds and relations with his people and the universe at large. And this one name above all that God that signifies God's relationship with us. And when God wished to reassure his people that he would take them out of Egypt, he revealed his name. I shall be that I shall be. And in those dramatic words, God declared that the Jewish nation was a future. And that future will be directed by him. For a nation of Jewish slaves that has labored under Egyptian rule for over 200 years, this declaration was the beginning of their liberation. And God revealed himself in the future tense of his name to raise their spirits. Don't reflect on your years of slavery and say to yourselves as your ancestors did nothing will change we have no future at this moment of despair and hopelessness god introduces them to the name that spells a promising future i shall be i am god the only one who can guarantee you a future and god's holiest name abbreviated as you know the yud and the yud reflects the three dimensions of existence he was he is and he will always be or to put it another way he is the god of history the god of the present and the god of the future god has shared past and present with humanity but he has not revealed the future and the only thing he told us is i shall be 
your future. And that should be more than enough to encourage us. So with that being said, I hope I gave you, in Bezat Hashem, that we have a better understanding of our level of emunah and what it really, really needs to be. Because we need to have that strong faith, that strong faith and muna and bitahon in our God as well. And you have to know, you have to know without an, a, a reasonable doubt, as we were just learning, just why do we add this into this, you know, into the shior? Because it goes hand in hand. You have to know, you have to know that God is right there with you. You have to know that he's right next to you. You have to know, as we just said, he was, he is, and he will always be, and he shall be. He is here now. He was there yesterday, and he's there and will be there tomorrow. He's not going anywhere. He's right next to you all the time, no matter what it is that we go through, no matter of our tests and our challenges and whatever it is that we may think we see or don't see, whatever that is, we have to know because our minds can't comprehend like Abraham and Moshe Rabbeinu, okay? Even though they saw things and they and they pleaded to God, but still some certain things or whatever had to happen, but it doesn't mean that they lost their faith in the moon and Bitahon and their God. They knew that God had a greater plan and God has a bigger picture that we don't have access to that information. We don't have access to all of our previous Gilgulim. We don't have access to the future. We don't know. And because we don't know, we have to know only one thing. We have to know that our God only does what is the absolute best for his children. And only God knows what is truly good for us. And because of that, we have to also know, and notice I used the word know, because we have to know, that means it has to be in our heart, that Hashem is with you and God is with you throughout all of your journey in your life. Wherever you're holding, wherever you are, Hashem is right there with you in that moment at that time. Let's not forget what happened on Simcha Torah. And I'm going to end with this. And Simcha Torah, even though what happened was absolutely horrific, it was beyond, it's beyond words what happened. Those are two. If there are our brothers and our sisters, Cloud Israel was involved in that. Now, where was Hashem? He was right there. But when, when, when those who didn't even barely know his name, but they knew that he existed, they knew that he existed, looked up to him, looked up to him and they looked up to God they referred to him as Abba they referred they 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 they, they didn't couldn't even finish saying the Shema because they didn't know how to or they recited a bracha one person to be you know recited a bracha on Hamotzi that's all she knew that's but she knew that she knew there was a God and she turned to God and he turned to God and those that turned to God in that massacre and that horrificness of what happened were saved were saved and you have to ask yourself What's going on here? What's the message? God was right there, right next to them, right next to everyone, waiting, waiting for them to call on him. With that being said, you must know that you should take these exercises to heart and put them in your heart and make sure that you understand that it's only going to be through effort and ishtat lut of constant knowing and doing and doing as we say in the shiurim, writing things down, making reminders for yourself, 
knowing that the only reason that you're in this world is to be only close to Hashem and the Vegas to Hashem. Practicing what we said that you should practice by verbalizing things as you're walking down the street and as you're going places to refer to God, even in the third person or second person. So that is an exercise that you have to have done. And then this exercise here is to know that Hashem is right next to you, right there, right now, right here. And so we talk to Him as a you. You Hashem, you put me here. You Hashem, you know what's best. You Hashem, start to do that throughout the day through your mouth and talk to him because through the words the words is going to penetrate the rock that we have in our heart and that rock will become flesh and that's the ultimate that's the ultimate goal in the avoda of the end of times it says the prophets say that all the hearts hashem will replace all hearts of stone with hearts of flesh so if anything, you for sure want to start doing that now in a proactive way because eventually sometimes if we don't do it in a proactive way, it'll get done in other ways. But that, his will, will be done. And by you having a desire to be close to your creator and to acknowledge that he is close to you and he's right next to you at all times, no matter what, that is precious in the eyes of Hashem. He loves you even more because you desire him. Baruch Adonai Leolam, Amen ve Amen.